0: I'm not on. There we are. You're probably wondering who the new guitarist was. Uh, Nathan uh, was Liz's youth pastor uh, back many years ago—not too many years ago, not—but um, and we, Nathan, we appreciate you uh, jumping in there today. You know, I as I was thinking, watching Nathan play, and, and um, thinking back to when I first started learning the guitar. Uh, in the few times in my life that I've tried to teach others uh, how to play the guitar, I've realized it's a, it's a good illustration, example of the, the fact that on anything that you want to learn, you've got to get the basics first. And typically, the first thing you do when you get a guitar is understand how to play a chord. <laughs> just uh, get two or three chords, and once you get two or three chords, you can play a couple songs and just start strumming along uh, to something that you enjoy. Uh, you know, that is so, it goes much further than that, you know that. Um, you know the difference in watching Josh play versus me play. My limitations are a little less, and, uh, but you know, the reality is whether you're learning guitar, whether you're learning how to be a parent, whether you're learning something on the job, uh, or whether you're learning the faith and what it means to walk with Jesus, there are some basic things that we have to have solid. And today and next week, uh, Jim Chapman and I have the immense task of of preaching from Romans in two weeks. Um, You know Romans, that's a lot. So we're obviously going to be just hitting a couple key themes. If you've been working through Mission 119, um, you should be either just finishing or getting into Romans, I believe, right now. but uh, the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at Romans, and um, I'm specifically looking at chapters 4 and 5 today, uh, but we really are focusing on that idea of something that's a very basic message. And, and you know, I find that when it comes to teaching, sometimes it's the very basic message that can be most challenging. <laughs> and, but the issue today that we're looking at is, what does it mean to be justified by faith alone? We hear that phrase. And that raises the question, what does it mean to be justified? But then what does that mean to be just, when we understand what justification is, and what does that mean to be justified by faith alone? Justification basically is being put in right standing before God. And we'll unpack that here in a little bit, but just to help understand at least some basic understanding of that word, it's, it's like a legal sense. Uh, it, it's the idea that if we were standing in a courtroom, and, and people looked at our, us and our, and our actions and we were committed as, or found guilty, we would be standing in a place of guilt because of our sin, because of what we have done, our offense. But to be justified means that that sin has been forgiven, that trespass has been forgiven, and that we're in right standing. And, and specifically, it's in the issue of how we are in right standing with God. And, and how, how can we, as Christians, how can we live in such a way that we know and, and we can rest in the truth that we are in right standing before God? It, we, is it because of what we do? Or is it in putting our faith and our belief and our confidence in what Jesus has done for us? because that is really the beginning of the journey of walking with Jesus, is understanding that we are put in right standing before God. We find forgiveness and enter into relationship with Jesus, not based on what we do, but by putting our faith and trust in what Jesus has done for us. That is how we are put in in right standing and justified before God. You know, as we look at this, I just want to give you, since again, we're doing Romans in two weeks, If you go back, if you were to start at the beginning of Romans, you know in Romans the first three chapters really highlight the emphasis, the need that every one of us has for a Savior. And you see a contrast between God's righteousness and our unrighteousness. You see that through those first few chapters, that every one of us is unrighteous. We've all fallen short of God's best. And and that's contrasted clearly with it's just a little distracting, sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry, I apologize for whoever's trying to control that. I know it's sometimes it has a mind of its own, but um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it, it just got dark up here in a second. But, um, Anyways, where was I? Yeah, God's righteousness, our unrighteousness. We know there's nothing in and of ourself that is that is good enough to earn God's love and favor and to be in right standing before him. And, and so those first few chapters focus on that need, our need for a Savior. Because our unrighteousness and our being out of step with God and his will puts us in a place where we need the righteousness of God in our life. We need to know forgiveness and, and be cleansed and be able to stand in a righteous place that's not based on our own work, our own ability, but based on what Jesus has done for us. Those first few chapters just establish that need. And then in chapter three, verses 21 through 26, it's a key section that highlights the fact of what Jesus did for us. That as as Paul then establishes the issue of the fact that we are all unrighteous, God is comparing God's righteousness to our unrighteousness. He then talks about, the righteousness of Christ and what he did on the cross for us. And I want to read, and I think these words are on the screen, Romans 3, 23 through 25, <clears throat> says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward, as a perpetuation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over our former sins. You know, even as I read that verse, we could, we could take a couple weeks just unpacking that because there's so much there. Uh, this is going to be a, a, a faster pace today. But that first verse in verse 23 is a verse that we often will quote. And if you've ever been taught the Romans road, of walking through and looking at key verses through the book of Romans that highlight our need for our Savior and and then highlighting what Jesus has done for us and how we are put in right standing before God, how we are saved, it usually begins with that verse 23 in chapter 3, that we've all sinned, every one of us, something that we all can agree on. Um, Every one of us has fallen short. Uh, The prophet Isaiah says that, that even our best, our our righteousness is like filthy rags. Even when we do our best, we still fall short. And that's the, the, what is painted in this picture, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and yet we are justified. We're put in right standing before God by his grace as a gift. A gift means it's something we can't earn it. It's through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You know, that, that emphasis is, is builds to this place that we're going to be now in chapter 4, Romans 4. It's not about what we do. It's about putting our faith in what God has done for us and putting our faith, specific, faith specifically in what Jesus has done for us. It leads us to Romans 4 where the emphasis throughout this entire chapter is that we are justified by faith, by our belief and our confidence in what God has done for us. We're made right before God on the basis of faith. And, and, and Paul uses Abraham, the father of our faith, to illustrate that truth. And so we're going to walk through this today and, and just look at Abraham and the example to remind us of this basic truth that to begin in a relationship with Jesus and to continue in a relationship with Jesus catch that it's not just about the how we begin it's how we continue and how we live each day it all rests on the foundation of that basic truth that it's not about us and what we have done it's about us putting our faith and confidence in what god has done for us through jesus romans 4 2 through 3 and again there's a lot we're not we're not going to read the entire chapter we're going to highlight a few a few uh, verses romans 4 2 through 3 says for if abraham was justified by works He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him or credited to him as righteousness. Basically, that verse is telling us, and we see this theme creeping up in Ephesians as well and other places where Paul is teaching, that that what we boast about is not what we do. What we boast about in our confidence is what Jesus has done for us. And, and, and what it's saying here is that Abraham, if he was justified by his works, meaning something that he has done, that he could have boasted in what he had done. And yet, Abraham wasn't justified by his works. He was justified by his faith. He believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. You think about it. That's, that's the beginning of Abraham's story. The beginning of Abraham's story before before the observing of circumcision and and following the law, that all came after God calling Abraham and promising blessing to make him great and to make him into a great nation. That all came before those things. Abraham, who's considered the father of our faith, reminds us that to be justified by faith is, is something that precedes the work that we do, that flows out of our faith. Continues in verses 4 through 5, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. You know, throughout the book of Romans, we see Paul use this language of comparing the idea of our works, our wages, versus... The gift of grace. And, and those two things are contrasted again and again. And, and, and what this is telling us in this place is that when we work, when you go in and you clock in your job, and anyone still clock in at the old machine? Probably don't use anymore. Okay, some of you clock in. Yeah, I remember at the physical plant when I was in college, having to clock in every morning and made that fun little punching, punching noise on the card. You know, when you, when you show up at your job, when you put the hours in, and then you get a paycheck, is that paycheck a gift? No, it's something you've earned. You have a contract, you've put put the work in, and so when you get what you get in that paycheck, whether you feel it's a good paycheck or bad paycheck, what you get back is not something that's a gift, it's something you earned. You put the effort in, you put the work in, it is not a gift, it's something that is due to you. When we work, we receive. what we receive is not a gift. It's what we've earned. And, and in these verses, this is contrasted to the one who does not work, but instead is described as the one who believes in him, who justifies the ungodly. There's a contrast between the one who works and the one who believes. And that reminds us of this simple truth that the beginning is, as well as the continuation of our faith in Christ, the foundation is our putting our full faith and confidence in what God has done for us. We see in Abraham in these verses that it was his faith that was counted as righteousness. Had he been justified, if Abraham was justified by the fact that he followed God's instruction or that, that he was circumcised, that he and his children were set apart and, and established all these traditions that we, we see later become the foundation of how Israel defined themselves, he would have had something to boast about. But Abraham demonstrated that it was his faith in believing God's promise that was the foundation of his faith and how he was justified before God. That issue of wages and the works work uh, is seen in Romans 6.23. Typically the second verse that we get to in Romans Road, uh, it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we earn from our work, the wages, what we're paid for our sin, again, we've all fallen short. We've all fallen short. I'm just not going to look. Um, we've all fallen short. We know that we've fallen short and that the, what we deserve, what we have earned because of our sin is death. And this is the foundation of our, what we believe, is. but it's the free, that if you're looking at Romans 6.23, underline that word, that three-letter word, but the bad news is the wages of sin is death. We're all sinners, but what we've earned, what we deserve is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the good news. And that's what we're called to, is is putting our faith and trust in what Christ has done for us. And Abraham demonstrates that in the way that Abraham trusted the promise in Genesis 12, 1 and 2. As Abraham trusted God and trusted the promise, we are to put our faith and trust in what God has done for us in sending his son Jesus. Paul expands on this, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 12. And really the key in these, this next section is you're thinking about, think about sequence, because if you, read through, if you read through the whole New Testament, which is good to make sure we're reading the whole of Scripture, because often if you just walk away with the message of we're saved by faith alone and you don't look at the other passages that talk about how our works, what we do from our faith follows, follows out and flows out of our faith, we could, we could live a life that is out of balance. And what we see in these verses in verses 9 through 12 in Romans 4 is is really highlighting the fact of when Abraham put his faith in God and and the timing of when his trusting the initial promise versus what followed in Abraham's life and history and the rest of Israel's history in that circumcision and then later following the law, which came with Moses, all came after the initial act of faith of Abraham leaving everything that he knew to go to the land that God was going to show him. Verse 9 says, Is this blessing then only for the circumcised, or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely uncircumcised, but also who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. You know, you read a section like that, it's like, man, that's a lot of talk about circumcision. Like, what is the point of this? And and it's important to look at the history and read through the book of Acts and see that this was something that was a central struggle for Israel. Because remember, the earliest disciples, those who first put their faith and trust in Jesus, were Jewish. They were part of the circumcised. And, And being circumcised and following the law was the identity markers that said we are god's people it was the mark to say you were truly one of god's chosen and 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 so it's a it's a key issue as as the gospel starts reaching out beyond jewish people to gentile believers and remember this is the book of romans paul is preparing for this journey and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth going outside of the jewish uh, community to reach all people this issue is, is critical. And, and Paul picks up on that again in Galatians. Because in, in Galatians, Paul addresses those who would say that it's not enough just to put your faith in Christ. You also have to follow the law, including circumcision. And Paul basically presents, in some my best summary of the book of Galatians is that we're not marked by circumcision. We're not marked by following the law. We're marked by God's spirit coming into our heart and our life. And the spirit is is the seal, the mark of what sets us apart as God's people. In contrast to Israel, who identified themselves in the circumcision and following the law. Abraham demonstrates again, when you think about the sequence, think about Abraham and think about later than Moses in the history of Israel, we understand that faith precedes the works. It precedes circumcision. Circumcision was a work. It was an act that signified that they were God's people. But Abraham believed before that was anything that God asked of his people. And God attributed that, counted that, that, accredited that to Abraham as righteousness. Romans 4.13 goes even beyond that. It says, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. And remember, again, that promise to Abraham that we see in Genesis 12, that God told to Abraham, he said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Remember, he didn't even have a map. I don't travel anywhere anymore without punching in Google, even when I'm going home. Well, not home to, not across town. (laughs) But, I had someone recently, we were like, don't you know how to get to your parents? I was like, yeah, I know how to get to Shawville, but if I don't put it in my computer, I can't play beat Google and try to get ahead of the speed of what the estimated time. But anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry, that was a really far off. Yeah, we want to know. We don't travel anywhere without knowing where we're going. And when you think about that for Abraham, Abraham was being asked to leave everything he knew to go not to the place where God was telling him, but to go to a place that I will show you. It's it's like, leave everything you have and I'll I'll, I'll give you the details along the way. That's what Abraham was called to. And and that's why Abraham is the father of our faith because he demonstrated a willingness to leave everything and to follow God. And that preceded everything that then developed in in the nation that God built for and established through Abraham that then later included circumcision and and, and included the law that Moses received on the mountain and all of those things that identified them as as the people of God, it all goes back to that initial act of Abraham that he believed the promise of God and he took a step of faith. He trusted, he believed. So just a real quick review. Was Abraham justified or made righteous before God through his works? No. Through circumcision? No. Through following the law? No. It came by believing the promise. Hearing the promise of God and and, and believing to where he was willing to leave everything and follow. That's the picture of the Christian life that we hear about what God has done for us in sending his son Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin, that we might come and and lay down our lives and surrender everything to put our faith and trust in God and in Jesus and what he did on the cross and in his resurrection. That we might be put in right standing before God. Abraham demonstrates this. And, and I, I love the fact that Paul goes on. He could have, I think he probably could have stopped right there and he made his point. But, but Paul goes on to, to give us a couple other points about Abraham and this issue of faith and, and how Abraham, this actually played out in Abraham trusting God. First, look at verses 18 through 19 of chapter 4. It says, In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. I love that. Um, if you think about this. He's basically describing, it's like basically saying, Abraham's so old, his days are numbered. And yet God is promising to give him a child who would become the father of a great nation. Abraham is described as being as good as dead. That's that's old. And and he's looking at this, and and Abraham Abraham had to trust. He wasn't in the prime of his life when God came and said, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless your offspring. He did it when Abraham was late in life, his wife was barren, and God put this... To him and said leave everything you have come follow me go to the land i'm going to show you and i'm going to make a great nation out of you and and then specifically later in abraham's story we know that he promises a specific heir of promise that we know will eventually be isaac abraham believed despite his circumstances and and in this is where we go beyond just the initial trusting jesus for salvation Walking with Jesus is coming to a point in our heart and our life where we understand that despite what our circumstances might be saying, we're going to put our faith and confidence in God. We might think we're too old. We might think it's impossible. Whatever it is that we're trusting God for, we, we, the issue of faith comes to that place where we don't just look at our circumstances. We put our faith in Christ and what he has done for us, and that's the foundation of how we walk with him. The next few verses, though, give us another insight from Abraham. Abraham not only believed despite his circumstances, but Abraham grew in his faith. And this is where going back and reading the Genesis account of Abraham's life is so critical because Abraham, even though he's described as the father of our faith, he was not perfect, he struggled says in verse 20, it says, No, unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith, and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So, I mean, We've seen those verses that unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, and yet, then he eventually grew strong in his faith and then became fully convinced. You see a progress here, that he struggled, he grew, and then became fully convinced. You see that in, in Abraham's life. Remember the trips, the trip to Egypt, where he had to say to his wife, it said, pretend you're my sister. He knew she was beautiful, and he felt like he, his life would be at risk if, if they believed that Sarah was his wife. And, and almost an identical situation happens later in his life that, that demonstrates that he's, he's trying to figure this all out, and instead of trusting God, he's trying to figure things out on his own, and, and, and you see him struggling in his belief. But the place where you really see Abraham struggle in his faith is, is in receiving the promise, specifically the promise of a child. Remember, Sarah, Aaron, so he's like, well, how, how is this gonna be figured out? So he, he, he tries to ask God to take Ishmael, a, a son that is born to a servant in his household, and, and tries to lift up Ishmael before God to say, bless Ishmael, may Ishmael be the child of promise. And yet God had another plan. He said the promised child would come through Abraham and Sarah, which would be Isaac. You see all throughout Abraham's story that while he models faith, incredible faith, in the fact he stepped out and he believed, he left everything he knew, he still demonstrates the struggle of faith, the struggle to believe, the struggle to have confidence. <clears throat> I don't know about you, I take great confidence in that. To know that even the father of faith and presented in scripture had moments and times where they struggled in their faith, And yet he grew in his faith and then came to a place where he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Think about that for your own life. Are you fully convinced that God is going to fulfill his promises in your life? Are you fully convinced? Think about Abraham. Abraham didn't arrive at that place immediately. While he demonstrated great faith initially in leaving his homeland, Abraham grew and eventually became fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. For us, trusting God and putting our faith and confidence in God to fulfill his promises in our life is is central to what it means to walk in faith. And that step of faith begins with our putting our faith and our trust in Jesus for salvation In the foundation of what he has done for us. Romans four, twenty three through twenty five makes this starts making this transition from Abraham to, to making the point of what it means to have faith in Christ. It says, But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Look at the key phrases here. He was delivered up for our trespasses. Jesus went to the cross, took our sin upon himself. He was raised up upon the cross for our sin, our trespasses. He died in our place. We believe in in our movement that we would use the language that Jesus was our substitute, that we should be paying the penalty for our sin, and yet Jesus serves as our substitute. He dies in our place and pays the penalty for our sin. But then he rose again. He was raised for our justification. We put our faith and trust in Christ, not only for what he did on the cross, but the fact that when he rose again, he not only proved that he was the son of God, but he then promises us the new life and the forgiveness that we can only find in him. Christian faith is putting our faith solely and, and squarely in what Jesus did for us in his death and his resurrection. In Romans 5, the beginning of Romans 5, Paul unpacks this and describes even more what what Jesus has done for us and how we put our faith and trust in him to be justified. He says in verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. Verse five eight is an, another one of those verses, part of the Romans road, which I said, made a mistake a moment ago. It's Romans three twenty three, Romans five eight, then Romans six twenty three guides us to this place of understanding what Jesus has done for us. We're all sinners, fallen short of God's best. Verse 8 says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Romans 6.23, the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see that sequence. We're all part of the unrighteous, the ungodly, the sinners that are described in Romans 1 through 3. And yet Christ went to the cross, he died in our place, took our sin upon himself, so that we might be forgiven, that we might be put in right relationship with God and trusting not our works and what we can do of ourselves, but putting our faith and trust in what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That is the foundation of the Christian life. The foundation of the Christian life is it's not about what we do, it's about celebrating and putting our faith and confidence in what Jesus did. I heard that phrase a long time ago, that true Christianity, is, religion is more about what we do to make God happy with us. True Christianity is about celebrating what Jesus did for us and then building our life upon that truth, living a, a life in which we stand in God's grace. These are some of the words that are described in Romans 5, 1 through 2, and it really I want to wrap up with these verses. Because it gives us the hope. When, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, when, when we're justified by our faith in Christ, there's a great reward and promise that comes with that. Romans 5, 1-2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we've been put in right standing by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So since we've been justified by faith, not on our works or anything we have done, we have peace. We have the promise of peace with God. That the sin that separates us from God, the sin that impacts our fellowship and intimacy with God, our creator, that that's addressed and and we can be reconciled and brought into relationship with God and have peace with him. That's the Christian message. And, and that's done in putting our faith and trust in Jesus. Is through our Lord Jesus Christ. We put our faith and our confidence in, in him. And all of that, remember the language earlier when we talked about wages? The opposite of the wages was the gift. And alongside that understanding of God's gift of salvation is the issue of Grace. And, and that other phrase that stands out in these verses to me is that it's, it's in this grace in which we stand. The Christian life, when we understand it's not about what we do, but it's trusting and believing what Jesus has done for us, we understand that it's all grace. It's all grace. We stand each day in the promise of God and in the believing in what Jesus has done for us, knowing that it's all grace. It's nothing we deserve. It's nothing we have earned. We have to fully put our faith and confidence in him. And when we do that, we not only have the hope that in the promise of being reconciled with God, being in peace with God, having peace with God, but we also see in verse two that we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God not only gives us the peace in this moment where we're brought into relationship and at peace with God, but our hope and our future is secure. We have the hope of eternal life to know that if we die today, that our hope is secure in Jesus. We talked about the basics today. This, is, this isn't the only key basic message, but this is one of the, one of the few central things that all Christians have to come to a place of understanding who Jesus is and what Jesus did on the cross for us. And for us to enter into relationship with God, to be restored to relationship with God, it's understanding we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. I love the summary that Paul gives, and I want to leave you with this, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, because it not only reinforces what we've just talked about, but it helps us get the order of things correct as well, because if we walk out of here and say, well, I just got to believe and I never have to do anything with my faith, you've missed part of this conversation. Abraham, while he put his faith and trust in God and believed the promise, he went on to walk in obedience, to do what God had called him to do. And, and that's what we see in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Great summary of what we just talked about this morning. Verse nine says, It's not a result of work, so that no no one may boast. And yet he goes in and on in verse ten. I've often seen verses eight and nine quoted, and they drop off verse ten. I think you need to include it because it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We're not saved by our work. We're not saved, we're not justified by the things that we do. But when we stand in God's grace, we receive the gift of the promise of salvation and and, and are put in right standing before God because we put our faith and believe Jesus and what he has done for us. We enter enter into a relationship with him in which he then begins to use us to do work. I love this phrase. To do the work that God prepared beforehand for us to do. Even before someone comes to faith in Christ, God has an idea and a plan for what he wants to do you to do for his kingdom. But he doesn't just give you the assignment. He, he first brings you to a place that you're brought to peace with him and a relationship with him. You're saved by grace. You, you've put your faith and trust in Christ. You're set apart and, and you're in right standing before God, not based on anything you have done, but based on what Jesus has done for you. But then when we live in that and we walk in that grace, we go out to do the work that God has called us to do. It's an issue of the order that is critical there, and I just want to encourage you today to remember that basic, that we're saved by faith, we're justified by faith in Christ and what he has done for us. And when we get that right and we walk with him each day, God will then use us to do the work that he's called us to do. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promises. And we thank you for the example of Abraham who believed your promise, left everything to go to the place that you were going to show him. Lord, I help us. I, I, I thank you, Lord, that we can see Abraham, while he was an example of faith, we also see his struggles. And I just pray for the person right now that might be struggling in, in, in putting their faith and trust in Jesus and, and what he did on the cross for them. Lord, I just pray even now that your Holy Spirit would be ministering to each person. Lord, that's listening to this message. Lord, help us to all have come to a point in our heart and our life that that we would not only understand who Jesus is as the Son of God, but that we understand what Jesus did on the cross and taking our sin upon himself. Lord, help us to receive that free gift of salvation, to, to know the forgiveness of our sin, and to surrender our lives to follow you, to, to truly believe and to surrender our lives and to follow you, Jesus is Lord. Lord, I just pray for anyone here today that has never taken that step, that they would take that step today, that they would, that they would pray to invite you into their hearts and their life, receive the gift of forgiveness and to surrender their life to follow you. Lord, to prompt them even now to not only pray, but to talk to me or talk to one of the other leaders here today. Lord, I just thank you for the gift of salvation. And thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live a life of trying to earn your love or earning your salvation, but we, we know that that's been secured through Jesus. Help us to put our faith and trust in what Jesus has done for us and then live each day for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.